Hello, and welcome to New Jersey is the World. Hello, it's Chris Gathered. Welcome to New Jersey is the World. I'm so excited to bring you today's episode. Some of our episodes, right? You see the title. You go, amusement parks. Okay, I can talk about Great Adventure. We'll talk about Action Park, a bunch of other stuff. And then some others, they're less obvious. Like today. You see that we're talking about shopping. Kind of a broad topic. Hmm, not malls. I expect malls when it comes to New Jersey. Nope, that's a different one. That'll be coming at another time. This is shopping. And I'm so happy we brought it to you. It was, uh, it was Mike, Mike D's idea, and it led to a lot of great stories, including a story called Karma Nooch. And I'm going to beg you, if you don't have time to listen to this entire episode, what you're going to do is you're going to fast forward until you get to the Karma Nooch story, because it's solid Jersey gold, baby. Solid Jersey gold. I want to thank everybody who has signed up at patreon.com slash New Jersey is the world. If you're over there, you know, a lot of the free episodes we've been giving you, we've actually found it a lot of fun to just do some of them as live streams. Just sort of jump on a live stream, record them, let people jump in if you're on that $10 tier. Um, and kind of use that as a way, instead of flooding your podcast feed, let's let's give you that content in another way. We're doing a, a thing on our live streams, everybody. It's launching on the 24th. You're going to want to be signed up for the Patreon before June 24th, because I'm happy to announce right now that that will be the debut of New Jersey, the role-playing game. Uh, Fran, who you've heard mentioned many times, uh, crawling through sewers with garbage bags around his legs, inflatable tunnels, all sorts of stuff. These Wotown stories that he's intimately involved in. He also happens to be a champion uh, role-playing game aficionado and enthusiast. He has designed a New Jersey role-playing game for us. We will be playing it live on Patreon. If you're at the $5 or $10 tier, you can watch it. $10 tier, we're going to involve your names. You're going to be characters. You're going to be non-playing characters in our New Jersey role-playing game. And we've already, the Gagoots, we've already been sent around character descriptions. And they're insane. Completely insane. And I can't wait for you to see it. So we'll see you night of the 24th. That's when New Jersey the role-playing game begins. In the meantime, you're going to enjoy our shopping episode. Anything in here that triggers memories of yours, you want to let us know about it, 973-780-4660. Leave a voicemail. Get on the show. Enjoy it. Thanks, everybody. There must be something in the water in West Orange I preach such avant-garde kids are gonna start shit In parks where we spit arson and spark splits Essex County, America's armpit Carnival! Oh boy, that flea market, I bought a crossbow there And I imagine it was sort of a two Roman legions charging at each other uh, Intertown fighting Some people have been there in the middle of the night to whip pumas with belts The last time I got in a fist fight, I threw a carton of Clinton's orangeade at a man's face I'm gonna take this terrible crime-ridden city and then I'm gonna pull my pants down on it No, I've never had a hoagie in my life Or a grinder This is like a weird vortex that doesn't apply to the laws of time and space <laughs> Hello everybody, it's Chris Gathard and welcome to Woetown, which is of course the podcast where three friends who grew up together pretend this is not about a midlife crisis. Mikey, <laughs> how are you doing today? Not fair. Good, I'd like to welcome you to Woetown, Chris. <laughs> Thank you so much, Mike. That's nice of you. I feel like uh, that doesn't happen so often. Nikki Bonaduce, you yelled, not fair, and then took a big swig of booze 
as I proclaimed in a midlife crisis, only validating my opinion. Yeah, that's right. You're right. You guys are keeping me sane and safe tonight. I'm in my safe space with my buddies out here and uh, talking about Jersey. Uh, likewise. I, it's funny. I just, uh, I just did, I was interviewed on some podcasts earlier today and they were like, oh, no, why'd you decide to do uh, New Jersey is the world? And I was like, Oh, because I've grown to progressively uh, distrust comedians. And these are people I've known since I was 13 who I would kill for and who I know would kill for me. So, so I've regressed. Yeah. Yeah. I need human connection with people I know. Anyway, tonight's episode, Mike D, you came up with this topic. And uh, initially I was thinking, what's the angle on this? And then, and then we got talking too. We got to be clear. You pitched the idea of let's do an episode all about shopping in New Jersey. And initially I was going, whoa. And then when we were texting about it, I go, yeah, I guess we got to cover malls at some point. And you went, no, 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 no. That's a separate topic. Malls will be a separate episode. And, and Mike D, when you laid out the outline, I realized it is really true. Like the places we shopped growing up, if you know, a big, a big part of what's at the core of this is what it was like growing up in Jersey in the lawless 80s and 90s. And I read through this. I went, yeah, it really makes sense. It really makes sense. I mean, if our working theory for this podcast, which so far has, I think we've proven to be true, is that there is something innately in the air, water, culture of New Jersey that makes everything it comes into contact with behave strangely, then I think this very much carries through to the institutions and stores where we purchase things growing up. And now even. Absolutely. And, and you know, as you say that too, it, it, it makes me, it makes me really think about like how often on this podcast thus far, people have heard us say things that we thought were incidental. And then other people go like, wait, what? And I feel like this is one of the first times where we've probably isolated something that will surprise people, but where we're actually aware of how weird it is. You know what I mean? Like, oh, even the places we shopped could at times be extraordinarily bizarre. Um, I think maybe we'll get into it. Even the West Orange angle, as soon as, soon as the, the gears started turning for me, um, we got there. Of course, one of the things, the first words you typed on the outline made me laugh so hard, the availability of contraband to children, which is such an accurate thing to be said about our uh, our childhoods double d's and toast of the town are the two first places listed and i know i know we all have fond memories and strong opinions on these places i never thought that it was strange what we could buy when we were children until i got older and moved out into normal society and figured out, oh, if you would like to purchase alcohol or weaponry, this requires identification and paperwork. Where when we grew up, buying alcohol and weaponry required nothing but walking down the road or riding your bike down the road to, to a place and you could buy this. I mean, we would buy 40s at the age of 13 with no type of adult intervention. Like we didn't have to get like an older burnout to buy them for us. We just walked directly into the liquor store at 13 and bought 40s. I believe Double D's and Toast of the Town, were they both in orange? I know Double D's was for sure, right? Yeah, I think it was just right over the border. Um, and what what about yeah. Toast? Toast is definitely orange, yeah. You're right on, uh, right on the main drag there, Central Ave. Yeah. Executive producer Carson is giving the 
thumbs up on that. Yes. It, these were basically two liquor stores. Double D's, I think, was a deli slash liquor store where if you showed up, I think they were pretty pretty aware, like, okay, these are West Orange kids who are looking to just grab some booze and run. And it was it was open season if you looked even close to adult, which I did not. But luckily, my friend John was one of those guys who um, looked like he was 40 when he was 15 years old. So super simple for him to get 40s for us. I don't even know that they cared if you even looked like an adult. And the first couple of times that we went down there, like me, Bonaduce, and the Neighborhood Ninja, we were riding BMX bikes down there. And there's no possible way that anyone could have mistaken us for adults. I may have even been wearing a Roosevelt Rough Riders middle school sweatshirt when I went in there. Um, and, and that was never... I have one in the other room. Yeah, it was never a problem. I also used to put on a college hat, like... Uh, <laughs> My sister went to Ithaca College, so she like grows at Ithaca paraphernalia around the house. So like I used to put on a college hat, and it said the Ithaca Bombers, which is the football team. And I used to go in there and like pretend I was in college, with like load up the whole fucking counter, all the stuff. Mike D would be like outside, and uh, I was like, oh, you know, I was like, oh, you go to Ithaca? I was like, yeah. I was like, you know, I'm home on break, and blah blah blah. It had like a whole spiel, and the Indian guy was just right next. This is right across the street from the Llewellyn Hotel. Like, you know, that one that was on the corner there, like across from the diner. Anyway, go in there, load a thing. And the guy would sell it to me every single time. So that paid dividends at uh, the, the college football hat and pretending to be a college student. But Now, I feel like in a very New Jersey twist, if I remember correctly, wasn't Toast of the Town not just a name of a liquor store, but eventually also the name of a local gang? Yeah, we had a pop. There was a whole like time period when everybody had these weird crews in our town. And Toast of the Town was one of those premier cruise named after the liquor store correct yeah definitely yeah because they it was a tot in 93 you're down with tot known to drink heavily i believe that was their (laughs) motto which was written all around town and that was also a magic liquor store because for some magical mystical reason no one could discern it was allowed to constantly be open it did not have to follow the liquor selling laws that the rest of new jersey Ah. did Oh. So you could go to toast anytime. I think they had a bar. I think they had, they probably now, they probably have to close for like an hour a day or something. I should talk about on my side of town, uh, you triggered a real memory. Cause like I said, my buddy, John used to go down to double D's, grab forties. We'd drink them in my basement, which was easy, smart because one, you just have to dispose of two forty bottles. He can just take them with him on his way home and smash them around the block or whatever, right? Throw them in the gutter. But we got cute one night because there was a bar named Quigley's on Harrison Avenue in West Orange. And one day out of nowhere, it just the name just became Paulie's. And they served pizza as well. So it, I don't think it takes too many dots to connect that the rumors going around were that whoever these Italians were that took over this decades-old Irish bar did not do it through uh, you know, the most legal of means. And there were rumors that they were kind of shady and they'd deliver beer, which I, I think is a big no-no. I don't think you can just like deliver 30 packs of beer around town. And uh, we called up, me and John called up, Hey, can we get a large pie and a 30 pack? And they brought a 30 pack of Budweiser. Awesome. And it was the only time I got caught drinking. And my, my parents had gone out for the night. They had gone to the NJ pack to see Bill Cosby do stand up. <laughs> they, they told me they were coming back late, but I forgot that for my parents, that means like 945. They found me shit faced in the basement with a job. That's awesome. Well, at least you, you were much smarter than 
than Nick and I because we used to take our empties and we would always dump them down this same sewer grate that was like, you know, we grew up literally one block between each other. Um, and we would dump, and for years we were dumping our cans down there. And finally, we were coming home one night, and we see they have the street all ripped up. The town actually is like has broken the asphalt, and there's a bunch of workers down there, and they're emptying out the sewer of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of beer cans that we had stuffed down there. So I guess eventually we had just filled it with so many cans that it actually stopped, you know, caused the sewer in our neighborhood to back up. Um, Paulie's, you'll be happy to hear Paulie's did eventually at some point revert back to Quigley's. Oh. Um, the rumor was that Quigley had lost it in a card game. So I don't Ooh. know if he had a better hand a few years later and got it back. Also his, uh, his brother had a barbershop across the street and uh, fun fact, that parking lot at the corner of Eagle Rock and Mississippi Avenue is the Quigley's parking lot named after the, uh, the Quigley family oh, down there. Also want to mention a memory I have not thought about in years until you listed the place we used to get booze. There's another place further up Harrison Ave, kind of across from the, uh, the hat, the Harrison Ave Tavern up that way. I believe it was called Eddie's meat market. Although I, I pray I'm not, um, I mean, it was decades ago, so I'm sure whoever ran the place isn't around anymore. But it was this place where my buddy Anthony, his mom would send us there to get, you know, like deli stuff and lunch meats. And she'd be like, oh, and then pick me up a pack of cigarettes. And the guy would do it. And it was like, oh, because it's a neighborhood place, you know. Then this dude got busted for selling cocaine to students at Edison Middle School. That's crazy. Not even the high school, like seventh graders buying Coke. Damn. That's, that's Jersey in the 80s for you, right there. Poor business model. <laughs> what kind of scum do you have to be to give cocaine to an 11-year-old? Again, when they're young. <laughs> uh, we're, we talked about the booze, even the drugs crossing over. I know that you guys, in your section of town, Big fans of weapons, some of them homemade, yeah. including the infamous saw blade taped to the end of a broom handle, but some of them purchased. Where did you like to purchase your weapons tonight on the topic of shopping? Only one place. The Union Market. For all your contraband needs. And what kind of weapons were you finding at the Union Market? Brass knuckles, butterfly knives, pocket knives, um, a, a sap glove, because everybody needs a... Glove weighted with lead dust and the knuckles. And remember that the brass knuckles were sold as novelty paperweights. That there was, you would go to the counter, and it, and there would be a little paper handwritten sign that would say novelty paperweights, and it was just an entire shelf of brass knuckles. You ever see that movie like Falling Down when he ducks into? Oh, with Michael Douglas. Yeah, when Michael Douglas when he ducks into the Army Navy store. Absolutely. And it's like the greatest Army Navy store. And so the guy you realize the guy's like a complete Nazi, but he has all the coolest shit in there. That's what it was like going into like the Union Mark. They had like gas masks and. All kinds of like good stuff. Now we're jumping around. Mike, do you had listed Union Market for a later section? Oh, but I'm sorry. glad we stumbled into it. You also listed that you were able to buy both flare guns and grenades. <laughs> you could buy grenades at the Union Market, and they were real grenades, but they oh, the had dummy some, ones. yeah, they had they, they didn't have any powder in them, but they were full blown pineapple grenades. The flare gun was a really dumb thing that I bought because. I had this flare gun for a long time, and a kid that we knew was like, oh, he's like, that's the same size as a 12-gauge shotgun shell. And I was like, oh, so 
he had a 12 gauge shotgun shell and uh it was it was a kid that you know tunic who was a real dingbat um and we tried to shoot a shotgun shell out of a flare gun and it just blew you know like it didn't blow the thing up but it was not a, a good <laughs> not a good outcome as you can imagine and now i just feel real lucky that i didn't accidentally blow my hand off you know trying to do that but you could buy flare guns the best thing though you could buy at the union market was wrist rockets Hands down, uh, oh, classic weapon of destruction. I wonder if, I wonder if kids are still as into those, or if those were like the the weapon version of the slap bracelet <laughs> for the, us in the early nineties. Oh, you know, like, like what, ninja stars. Wrist rockets were the coolest thing you could have as a troublemaking pre teenager. Absolutely, hands down, the kids who had the wrist rockets. But those things were deadly. You could kill somebody with that. I almost killed the neighborhood ninja with a rock shot to the temple. You almost killed my brother. You did. At, from four feet away. <laughs> from four feet away. It's like everything stopped in time when it hit his head. And it was just like, oh my God, I killed the neighborhood ninja. In true neighborhood ninja fashion, he was completely his fault because you were shooting the wrist rocket and he just walked right in front of you, completely oblivious and just caught one right to the temple. It was one of those things. It was like a cartoon, like Looney Tunes. You actually saw his eyes spin around and he just fell <laughs> right down onto the ground. <laughs> and another great, Nick was known as the absolute crack shot sniper of wrist rocket usage, which was very popular in our neighborhood. Yeah, really good. And, uh, you know, and if people don't know, a wrist rocket is like a, a very professionally made slingshot. You know, it has like a real handle you can grip and the, the part you pull back. Kind of goes over your wrist. Yeah, it locks like, on. That's why it's the wrist rocket. Yeah, like sur- surgical bands, like proper lengths and like strength and, uh, and stuff like that. the bottom of it, like the handle is hollow and it opens and you can get it filled with your choice of to shoot out of it, either ball bearings or marbles, both of which are great. Or rocks, any kind of rock. Ugh. We were having a fight one time with wrist rockets and we're about like, there's two groups of us who are about like 50 feet apart <laughs> and my brother's hiding behind a tree that has like a fork in it you know it's a tree that like splits into a y and my brother thinks he's being real real ninja and he pops up between the fork and the tree to shoot at us and nick just zips him and hits him right between the eyes from 50 feet away in this fork in the tree and he just goes down just like (laughs) he chopped him nick were you training or were you just a natural no i think it was just from like you just start shooting it so much. Like we were, we would, I'd have it with me like all the time. We just try to shoot at anything you see. Like you just try to like improve your accuracy. You, you figure out how different rocks travel and marbles are like sometimes a crapshoot because they'll just do like whirly whirl things on you, you know? But I'd always been into like projectile weapons, but that's the only one I thought that was like the most useful probably. Now I want to jump back to West Orange, just give some quick shout outs to some businesses. Um, corner of uh, Harrison Avenue and Mississippi Avenue, a store called Carousel. It opened when I was probably eight or nine. It's a convenience store. They had slush puppies, which was amazing. They had great penny candy, which is amazing. They also had uh, the upper, the, your traditional upper shelf with the white paper blocking it, pornography. And it was, uh, I, I think, a real rite of passage in my neighborhood that when you turn 18, you buy your first pornography from Carousel. Just looked it up. They're still there, which I'm shocked by. Two stars on Yelp, but don't be fooled. Great place. Want to give a shout out to the pet store on Main Street, which if you guys remember, that pet store burned down. Uh. 
And then they had wood up over it. And the guy who owned it went and like spray painted all these crazy messages. Do you guys remember this? It was like, I remember this. Yeah. I'm going to find you and I'm going to get revenge and this and that. Cause sadly all the animals died. And then of course turned out it was that guy. He did it for insurance money, which wasn't shocking. Cause that was the pet store where he'd like bring you in the back and show you fireworks and, I remember the first time he was like, you guys want to come in the back? I got some jumping jacks back there. I was like, even at my, I always called bullshit on stuff. I was like, yeah, no, I don't want to quote, go with, I don't want to go in the back with you, sir. Like, no, I knew, I knew it was bad. Um, Mike D, you've listed some other places. This one I didn't know in West Orange, the Gun and RC Car Store. This was right by Double D's. Is you would go down Main Street there. Oh yeah, and there was <laughs> there was for some reason a store that sold. I bought a rifle there. A rifle? Well, this was as a, like as an adult. Okay, okay, good. Yeah, and we used to go there as kids, and it was a gun store. But for some reason, one half of the gun store they also sold RC cars and RC car accessories. So you could go get your. You know, your uh, RC-10 batteries, and you could also get your thirty-eight caliber ammunition in the same place. It was like a great family outing. <laughs> and you've also, I want to hear quickly the bullet points on the pub and Butterfly, and then the ShopRite, I'll grab your jugular incident. The pub was a very strange place that, again, I've said this a few times, where if I didn't have someone else to witness this, I would not believe that this place existed. But luckily, my, my brother and I, who went there frequently, have discussed this, and it did, in fact, exist. But the pub was this place that we used to go, and it was a bar, except it was a bar for kids. You would go in there, and it was a bar. It looked just like any old man bar that you can imagine. It's awesome. And you would go and sit down at the bar, and... You would order mugs of root beer that came out of a draft tap, like a big frosty mug, and they would fill up your root beer. And the snack that they would give you instead of bar peanuts is they would give you those sealed straws that were filled with flavored honey, and you bite the end off and suck them down. So my brother and I would frequently go to this place. Just like we were adults, we'd sit down at the bar, we'd order a couple of frosty mugs of root beer, we'd sit there chewing on uh, honey stick straws for hours, and... (laughs) It just blows my mind that this place existed. It was everything that an adult bar would have except alcohol and geared towards children. I want to go there now. Yeah, it sounds like my dream. Him and I drove past there together maybe about two and a half years ago, and sadly, it appeared to no longer be in existence. It was in West Orange? No, it, it wasn't in West Orange, but it was in the in the greater New Jersey environs. But it was someplace we used to go when we were around that age. Um, and him and I talk about this all the time. And Butterfly is another one I'm not familiar with. Butterfly was uh, another great weapons and ninja emporium that was in Bloomfield Center, um, right off Bloomfield Avenue. And it was great because not only did they sell all the ninja weapons, ninja stars, grappling hooks, but they also sold our favorite tabby boots. Ooh. They used to sell uh, kung fu slippers. And then the other side of the store, they sold uh, graffiti equipment. So you could buy graffiti markers, hats and shirts to write get your name on, get your fat caps, everything. So Butterfly was a real great place to, to go as a kid. And the, uh, the shop, right, which would had a strange amount of chaos surrounding it throughout the years. Um, I don't think I've heard your all grab your jugular story though. I used to work at that shop, right? Um, I feel like every place we talk about, <laughs> I've worked at at some point or another. There were some strange, 
things there. Uh, like my boss at the ShopRite, who, while he was working a full-time union ShopRite job, was also running a full-time contracting business. So he would come into work for 15 minutes, tell me what to do, leave, and come back like seven hours and 45 minutes later, be like, oh, how are things? Oh, great. And he would be all like covered in sheetrock dust and everything. Um, but uh, I, I, was, I was shopping at that ShopRite with my mom, my brother, you know, regular grocery store trip with with the three of us with the family and it was right around christmas time and they had a big display like oh new snoopy christmas cookies like a big thing stacked up on the end cap of the aisle and i'm like oh they look really good and my mom's like yeah why don't you get a box so we take a box and we throw it in the cart and this other little kid who's probably about seven or eight is walking with his mom he's like oh mom can I get the Snoopy cookies? And he picks up a box, and I'll never forget this. His mother turns around, screams, I'll grab your jugular, and grabs this eight-year-old kid by the throat and lifts him up into the air. And my mom's like, oh, my God. And cra- like the Undertaker? It was crazy. <laughs> like a choke. And slam. who says, of all the threats you would give your child, I'll grab your jugular? Like, that is some real <laughs> ratchet New Jersey stuff, right? Like, that's a serious threat to, to bodily harm. I'd expect that kind of behavior at the Pathmark, maybe. I'm not oh, sure. yeah. Next to the Caldor riffraff. My family was a Pathmark family. I love that place. I love the no frills aisle. Everything uh, was white. The no frills brand. I haven't thought about that in years. The whole aisle is white. It's no frills. Yeah, we were A&P people when we lived really down the hill. Oh, yeah. That was my grand- Actually, my grandfather worked at the A&P on Main Street, and my dad worked his way through college at that A&P. Um, and I later worked for a few months in college at an A&P and it was a disaster. And my mom gave me a letter that actually, it was so sad. Like my mom gave me a letter that was like, this company has been so kind to our family over the years. And it actually really means a lot to me that you and your brother got jobs at the uh, A&P. This was down in South Plainfield. I think maybe Fran very briefly, like all of us, it was a news store. They were hiring anybody and we were, we were just screwing around. My brother was trained by a man named Dirty Harry, who was just a problematic individual. The whole thing was weird. Anyway, it it made me feel bad. Uh, Mike, you put another uh, story in this section. I have not forgotten. I'm going to save it for later. um, Just for the show flow, as they say, but believe me, I have not forgotten the one you asked for, because look, we got to the union flea market and I feel like when we're talking about shopping in New Jersey, that we're going to get a lot of response of this from people who are nostalgic. Uh, we actually have another episode in the pipeline called gone, but not forgotten, which I think will probably actually become a companion to this episode in many ways. Cause people do talk a lot. They left a lot of message about places they used to shop, but one very New Jersey thing And it sounds like the union market, which I must admit, I wasn't a union market guy. It sounds like it falls under the general category of what we might call in New Jersey a dirt mall. And um, I feel like this phrase was, was around, but probably is one of the things that made people in Jersey really love Kevin Smith as like one of their guys. Cause in mall rats, they go to a dirt mall and that's where they get the fortune told by the woman with three breasts and when you watch that in Jersey, you're like, yes, of course you'd go to a dirt mall for shady fortune telling shack. Yes, of course. Um, these were all over New Jersey. I think they're all gone now. Oh, Columbus market, man. Go there. Okay. We'll talk about it in a second. First though, I just want to make sure I want to, I want to try something because you know, we're North Jersey guys. We grew up in North Jersey. I love calls. Um, I do. Some people say, you know, we need more South Jersey stuff. And I agree. 
But I want to say before we even get to the dirt malls that we knew, got a great message from a guy named Rob talking about uh, another dirt mall that I bet we haven't gone to. So I want to actually kick off this discussion with this. And I think you'll see uh, we're all united in our dirt malls. Hey, what's going on? My name is Rob, born and raised in Haddon Heights, New Jersey. And uh, I think if there was one thing that really just reminds me of home would probably be the Pensock and Mart. Um, it was, you know, like a warehouse dirt mall, <laughs> um, to, to put it uh, politely. It, you know, the place was awesome. It, it had all these jam-packed little shops in, it was like, you know, two two very long hallways in a sort of a rectangular-shaped uh, walkway. I just remember going there all the time as a kid. Uh, you could buy, you know, junk electronics there. You could buy clothing there. You could get a haircut there. You could have lunch there. Uh, you know, seeing, you know, just old dudes coming off the job, hanging out there with their butts. I mean, I remember going there with my dad. My dad used to buy me WWF Hasbro action figures from the one toy store in the middle <laughs> of the place. And uh, nice. it was how I started my own wrestling action figure collection. Um, you know, then after that, you take the kids to the to the arcade there, give them a handful of quarters. Uh, shit's always broken. But, you know, the, the Pensock and Mart was always the thing that I loved the most. Similarly, in South Jersey, they also have the, the Berlin Farmer's Market. Um, same kind of concept, except uh, they also have the outdoor <laughs> section where you can go cruising around. People back up their trucks. There are minivans. There's vans. They sell stuff out of the trunk. Ooh. Find all kinds of junk. I mean, it's great for people watching. It's great for just finding yeah. cool stuff. And I think growing up, you know, now in my mid-30s, uh, looking back at my childhood, memories of the Pensac and Mart, always a great always a great thing. Um, I think they demolished it. Pretty sure they did, at least. Yeah, it has to be demolished. But it's worth looking into. It's worth looking up. Anyway, thanks a bunch. Call was great. Uh, I think Rob did a great job describing what they're like for anybody who has not experienced these things, and I'm sure other states have them, maybe many don't, they're not malls in any sense of what you're thinking. He's right. It's like a warehouse floor with little booths separated by like corrugated tin. And sometimes in the real low rent ones, even like chicken wire, like it might be two, like one booth that sells comic books next to another place that's selling like fake diamonds with chicken wire in between. And that's not an exaggeration. No, but Rob also touched on what I think is one of the most important characteristics of a real New Jersey dirt mall, which is you could get your haircut there. Yes. You could get food there. Yeah. You could go to the arcade and you can buy things. It was a full service. You could spend an entire day there and take care of everything you need to take care of. I'm telling you guys, like if you dig anything like that, like, and I'm a big supporter of this place because I love it because the, the from the food aspect, but also be able to get a haircut is definitely the Columbus market. Check that place out. And they have guys that just like pull up with like trucks full of junk and you can go through junk for like hours. It's the best. It's like, if you're like you said, people watching the whole full package, man, where is the, where, where are we talking here? It's right on two Oh six in, uh, Columbus, New Jersey. It's like awesome. It's right. Like right off the turnpike. 
go there. They have an Amish market that they have Ooh, ribs, chicken, the Amish butter. They make pretzels dipped in butter. They have a whole pickled room. Then they have like the pizza places in there. There's like a, chi- a fried chicken place that's fantastic. There's a baker. There's a baker that just stands there and yells out like he's making cookies and all kinds of stuff all day. Like twenty cookies for two dollars. Like and they're like awesome chocolate chip cookies. This sounds way classier than your average dirt mall, though. It isn't. It burnt down a couple times, but it always comes back, and it's like even better now. <laughs> they can't stop it. It's like a forest fire regenerates. It is. It's unbelievable. And then you can still go outside and buy socks and haggle for, <laughs> you know, for like toothpaste. And also, I, the weirdest thing I ever bought there was there was a guy who had his own booth and he was singing reggae the whole time and he was just like self-promoting his like albums. So it's like, I'll give you all five of my CDs for $2. I'm like, all right, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> but he's literally sitting there and he has his PA set up and he, like you're going down the rows and there's the guy doing reggae. And he's there like, you know, once a month or whatever. And there's food outside. There's the outside food. And it is, it is you're always going to have food, really bad pizza that will give you heartburn. Uh, everyone is going to have a booth. Every dirt mall, dirt mall will have the place where you can buy weapons. Everyone will have the place that's just like 10,000 loose old comic books with, with people rifling through them. Um, when Rob mentioned Hasbro action figures, Absolutely. The guy who has like just loose action figures, one box with GI Joe, one box with those old rubber wrestling figures. One like this is, it's just people's junk. It's like a garage sale on steroids. Absolutely. Um, I I know one of the ones I have the most experience with is the route 18 flea market. Indeed. Ooh. Yeah. Mike D talk to me about some of your memories uh, from the route 18 flea market. Cause that one was there well into the the mid 2000s i think i started going to the route 18 flea market when when i went to Rutgers, and i just heard about it from other kids at school and what people would say is oh it's a really good place to go and find cool instruments um you know pre pre ebay and all that if you wanted to find cool guitars or old synths you'd have to go to a place like that and you would really just hope that you lucked out that some person would have you know a random stratocaster from the this like a you know stratocaster thrown into the the back of a junk booth and you'd get it for 60 bucks and that's why i would continuously go to the, the Route 18 flea market. But the other thing they had, which is a very smart business move by them, was they had a really great fake ID booth. Ah, right next to a college campus. <laughs> you could go to the Route 18 flea market and for a fairly low amount of money. I remember it being something like $25, which is, you know, in you know, late 90s money. It was a little, you know, a decent chunk of money, but you could get yourself, they had all the, all the states that no one in New Jersey who is a bouncer would recognize. So you could get a an right. Iowa driver's license, a Nebraska driver's license, all these different things, and they look great. And for people who knew, you, you could go there and get one of these things. And I remember they also sold identification cards for things like the FBI and, <laughs> and other the, the Army, uh, the Treasury Department, which I imagine people bought for completely different reasons that we were buying fake IDs to sneak into bars on Easton Avenue. I have some great memories of this place. I 
their weapon stand was second to none. It was the centerpiece. It was kind of the, the central focus on everything else was ancillary to that. Um, I bought both a blowgun and a crossbow there. And I was a freshman at Rutgers. We used to drive around, me and my friend Andy used to drive around shooting the blowgun at people and then driving away. And the crossbow, dude, we used, we set up like a, we'd put a cardboard box at one end of our dorm room hall and everybody would take turns shooting at the box with the crossbow. It was fun. And one day that kid, uh, that kid, Chris Robin, Mike D, who had the seizure on the bed in front of us that time, he like walked out of his room and was like, oh, what's all the noise? And I, I mean, I came, when I say within four inches of shooting him in his thigh with a crossbow, I'm not exaggerating in the least. It was terrifyingly close to just like watching him bleed out on the carpet. It was bad, man. It was bad. One of One of our friends... For his birthday, his his girlfriend at the time went there and bought him the Rolls Royce of crossbows. So if you remember, right, you could get like the $20 crossbow, the $40 crossbow. But then there was, you know, the $120 crossbow. And she got him that one. And he unwrapped it his birthday. We were all real excited. So he lived in a, in a rented college house. And... <laughs> We were really excited to try it, so we got a bunch of cardboard boxes and stacked them up against the washing machine in his basement, and we went back there, and he pulls the thing back, he cocks the crossbow, and we're all excited, and he shoots it, and it goes, of course, flying through the air, through the multiple cardboard boxes, pierces the the washing machine of his rented house, through the drum, into the back of it, and we cannot get the crossbow bolt out of this thing. So, of course, the washing machine is destroyed. But the worst part is, is he had to call up his landlord and somehow try to explain away why he shot a crossbow bolt through the washing machine in the basement, of which there is no lie you can make up to <laughs> explain away that story. We, we, were, we, we spent a good six hours trying to think of outrageous lies to, to, to talk this away and couldn't come up with one. Other Route 18 flea market memories I have. Um, first of all, they had a tattoo stand in there, which is... Gross. The idea of getting a tattoo at the Route 18 flea market, there's just like no, there's no way that's not, you're not walking away with some sort of horrific infection. But I remember, you know, they have the, uh, the wall of sample tattoos that the artist has, has pasted up for public viewing of, of potential work that they've done in the past. You can emulate. And I never forgot seeing that one of them was a purple gorilla, with a fedora in a yellow zoot suit holding a smoking Tommy gun. And I was just like, who is the asshole that came to the Route 18 flea market? And he was like, oh, I'm just going to pick up some, you know, maybe some used clothes. Um, but while I'm here, I got to have that on my body forever. I got a I got a really nice tribal piece <laughs> at the Route 18 flea market. We had a, we had a, actually I don't want to call him a friend. He was more of a, hang around acquaintance that we went to Rutgers with and none of us really liked him. He he was a sort of a creep, but he went to the route 18. He had been talking for days and days and he's like going over there. I'm going to get this tattoo. I'm going to get a big Eagle on my leg with my name under it, you know, a full Eagle with the wings spread. And we're like, yeah, okay, great. So, he, he goes or whatever to get his tattoo. And then a bunch of us are that night at the grease trucks. 
um, hanging out, you know, standing in front of the grease trucks, eating our sandwiches. And we see him come walking down the road and he's like, oh, hey, what's going on? God, nothing. He's like, oh, I just got back from uh, from getting my tattoo. And we're like, oh, really? You know, let's see it. So he he puts his foot up on one of those stone planters in front of the grease trucks and he rolls up his pants. And we're all expecting to see this big eagle tattoo. And instead, there's a two inch tattoo. He's like, it's an eagle's eye. I just got the eye of an eagle because clearly he could not afford. Yeah, clearly he could not afford the entire eagle. So all he got was the two-inch eye of the eagle. And then this is where it gets bizarre. So we're all standing there. It's Saturday night at the grease trucks. We're waiting for a bus to to go back to our dorms. And this clown, who none of us like, is standing there, and he has his leg up on the planter with his pant leg rolled up, so like everyone can see his tattoo. And then. <laughs> like a hornet or a bee or something flies down and stings his leg and he starts screaming ow ow i've been stung in the tattoo i've been stung in the tattoo ow my tattoo because he was like so obsessed with everyone knowing that he got this awful tattoo oh my god I mean, you know i Ugh. i can tell you who who this is this person is but he was an ass but that's you, you go to the route 18 flea market to get an eagle head tattoo and you come back with just the eye of an eagle. You also sometimes go there and I mentioned the gorilla was wearing a zoot suit in the in the tattoo, but also there was a booth at the Rue d'Etienne flea market that was just a guy straight up selling zoot suits, like old school zoot suits. I don't know if this was because that was like around like this, the swing dancing renaissance of, uh, you know, that, that brief fat. I think he was just an old guy who sold these zoot suits. And we walked by and, you know, everybody's always like, oh, come get this, come get that, come this, blah, blah, blah. And the guy says to me, he's like, you want one of these suits, man? I got these really nice suits. And I wasn't, I don't think I was being rude. I was just like, eh, you know, I'm not really in the market for a zoot suit, man, but thanks. And he goes, really? Because you need to clean your act up, man. You look like you wore your pajamas here today. (laughs) And my roommate, Dan, was with me and flipped out, was like, what the fuck did you just say to him? And like, we had to like keep these two guys up because the guy also just like immediately put his dukes up and was ready to throw down. Like clearly not the first time this vendor had been in a fist fight inside the flea market, but I got, I got shamed. I got shamed. I had my clothes mocked by a zoot suit vendor at the Route 18 flea market. Did you feel bad and buy a suit? Yeah. He, I, I bought three actually. I bought three. <laughs> Nikki Bonaduce, did you ever go by that flea market? Do you know the joy of the Route 18? No, that wasn't a regular spot for me, for sure. Definitely not in New Brunswick. We were going to like, um, oh, God, what was that place you used to go? Like the fence shop. We used to be able to like sell electronics. Oh, uh, yeah, the trading, the trading post. post. Yeah. That's what was it called. The trading post. That was a big spot. Mike T, the Route 1 flea market I never went to, that was gone. That's where the movie theater is, right? Yeah, that was that was gone um, much earlier than the Route 18 flea market. Yeah, I worked at the I worked at the movie theater, so I knew that's where the flea market had been. Um, I see that you did have an experience there. Yes. The, the, the Route 18, or sorry, the Route 1 flea market was a little bit, in some ways, like, seedier than the Route 18 flea market, if that's possible. And uh, the the first time that I went there, I had recently met a a goth girl. And I think we were, you know, we were doing whatever the the early stages of, of 1990s dating were. And she was like, oh, let's go to the, uh, the, the Route 1 flea market. You know, that's where I buy all my clothes. 
So we go, you know, she takes me to the Route 1 flea market <laughs> and, and we're driving around. Always a sign that you're dating someone classy. <laughs> when you go on, on your second date and that's where you go. So we go to the, the Route 1 flea market and they have this stand where you, they have all these goth clothes, you know, like vinyl corsets and vinyl pants and <laughs> fishnet things that are sort of like gloves, but they're kind of like attached to sleeves. I don't know what the proper name for that thing is, but I think people, <laughs> yeah, pe- people know what I mean. So it's a whole lifestyle. She, she's like trying all these different clothes on. Like basically they had like a curtain you could go behind in between the, the chicken wire, which I guess was completely mm-hmm. see-through on all sides and part of the experience for the people who work there. And basically, she wore all these things and she roped me into purchasing goth clothing for her. So I was completely played for a mark. Um, and, you know, she just was like basically strong-armed me into purchasing this this goth clothing. Uh, so it was a very awkward experience the first time that I went to the Route 1 flea market. Now, we have to talk about a place that I actually think is really special. Um, I, have, I, I think I went once, and I don't remember much about it. Would you guys put the English Town auction under the umbrella of the Dirt Mall, or does it supersede it? Because that place is massive and has everything. But people flock to the English Town auction. Absolutely. I mean, it's just like, there's, I guess there's different tiers, these different kind of like, I'll just put them under the umbrella of flea markets kind of. Some are like more developed and like established, and you know, some are just a field, you know. The English Town auction is massive, and uh, you can get great deals there and great stuff. You can find a lot of awful stuff, but I know that sometimes the traffic there gets so bad that people who live along the roads that lead up to it will actually set up like bootleg garage sales. That's awesome. So while you're sitting in traffic, you see stuff on their lawn and people will jump out and be like, actually, I was looking, I was looking for a new armchair today. What do you think about this one? Like, that's how omnipresent it is. And it's huge. And, uh, there's nothing else like it. And I I think it's worth a trip. I think anybody who loves New Jersey, I think it's, it's a thing to put on your bucket list and get down and see it because I go this summer. Yeah. When it's rocking on a, on a week, a, a summer weekend, it's really, uh, it's, it's like, such a sleepy area and then just tons and tons of people descend on it to buy all kinds of random crap. If there's ever a place that we're going to find the original Perfy costume, oh. it's going to be the English town auction. Do you think that Perfy costume has been destroyed or I think it's sitting somewhere. Oh. It's like in some kind of like state archive. We have to find it. Like in a state archive costume room. How do we track it down? It's like the fucking Holy grail. Might have a connection. When we find it, we're going to have to like walk through a Canyon and then a thousand year old knight is going to be guarding it. And he's going to make us answer a series of riddles to see if we're worthy enough to possess that's the perfy costume. He actually, he's just going to ask you for a beach badge. Choose wisely. <laughs> just that. Just one yeah. beach badge. Do you have a beach badge? Okay. <laughs> you may take <laughs> this. Oh, and I s- snuck on. I'll be like, Get the fuck out of here. We weren't going to sit down. We were just going right into the water. <laughs> and I know you I know you got vodka in that syrupy cup anyway. All right. One of the things we wanted to talk about as Essex County guys, but there wasn't so much meat on its bones, was... Talking about shopping and, you know, Newark has this reputation nationally as like a very tough city. And it is, look, it is a tough city and it's had tough times. And, and, and there's always been areas that, that, um, that 
buck against the reputation of Newark. And, uh, you know, we've mentioned on the show, the iron bound and, and a lot of beautiful areas and historical architecture, but it's a tough town. Um, and one thing people might not realize is like for our parents' generation, it was a shopping destination. That was a big thing. My mom still talks about it, catching the bus on main street, going to Bamberger's on a, on a weekend. And we kind of batted that around. And, and Mike, you actually said that it brought to mind a Bamberger's story. Bamberger's was this like massive department store in Newark that was like people from all over the area used to show up and shop there. Yeah, years ago. So uh, Mike D, talk to me about this. Bamberger's closed and was taken over by Macy's in maybe 87, 88, around then. But it was still open when I was a kid. And there were there were two sisters that that I grew up with that that my brother and I were really close friends with and our parents were close friends and you know one day we were we were all over at their house <clears throat> hanging out and they're like oh you know our cousins are having a joint communion and confirmation party today you should come over to the party with us so we're like okay you know it sounds fun and i think at the time i'm probably in third grade so we we all go over to this party. We walk. They they live in in the North Ward in Newark. So we get to the party, and I, we we don't know anyone there except the, these two sisters and their parents. And we get there, and it's you know your standard big North Jersey Italian, and it's a, it's a confirmation and a communion, which are both real big deals, you know, for for Catholic people in in North Jersey. So we get there, and you know, there's eighty people out in the backyard, and all the adults are on one side and they're eating tons of food and they're drinking. And then there's, you know, maybe about 20, 25 kids of all different ages that are all playing behind this garage on the other side of the thing, the, the garage. And everyone's playing some kind of game. That's a sort of a version of, of kickball and they invite us to join in. So we're all playing kickball. And so it's my turn to, to kick, to bat. So somebody throws the ball to me and I kick it and the ball goes flying and it knocks over the statue of Virgin Mary on the half shell, which every person in North Jersey is required to have in their backyard if you're Italian. So the statue gets knocked over, and all of a sudden, every one of these kids comes running over and be like, you're going to knock over the Blessed Virgin Mother? What do you think this is? I'm going to show you. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to fucking kill you. And I'm, you know, I'm in second or third grade. I don't know any of these kids. And so an adult comes running over, and he's like, oh, whoa, whoa, what's going on? They're all like, Uncle Vinny. They're like, he knocked over the virgin mary can you believe this we got to take care of him and he's like what you knock it over on purpose i was like ah you know we we're playing kickball and i hit the ball I'm, I'm really sorry he's like i don't know don't worry about it he's like look 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 he's like it's gonna be okay he's like you're gonna come with us me my nephew carmenuch and you he's like we're going over to bamberger's carmenuch is gonna buy a leather jacket I'm like, all right. He's like, yeah, you know Bamberger's, right? Come on, we're going to go. So, you know, to set the scene, I, I go to this party with friends. I don't know anyone there. I knock over the Virgin Mary statue, and Uncle Vinny, who I don't know, is trying to be a good guy. And he's like, I got to get this kid out of here. Otherwise, the other kids are going to kill him for knocking over the Virgin Mary statue. I'm like, all right. So me, Uncle Vinny, and Carmenuch. So Carmenuch is the person. <laughs> Carmenuch Car is the other celebrant at the party. So he's the older kid who's in ninth grade who's just made his confirmation. There's the younger kid who's just made his communion. So the three of us get in the car, and we're driving over to Bamberger's in Newark. And Uncle Vinny's like, 
you got the money, Carmenuch? And he's like, yeah, yeah, you know, Grandpa, for my for my confirmation, he gave me the rest of the money to, to buy the leather jacket. He's like, good, good. And like, you know what leather jacket you want, right? He's like, yeah, you know, I've been I've been looking at it at Bamberger's for a couple of months. I'm real excited. I, I've wanted this leather jacket for a long time. He's like, yeah, Carmenuch, it's great. When you get your first leather jacket, it's a big deal. You know, you're going to have that leather jacket for a long time. You're going to look great, Carmenuch. So we get to Bamberger's and we go in. I don't, again, like I've just met Carmenuch eight minutes ago and Uncle Vinny's like alright guys uh, I gotta go take care of a few things Carmenuch you, you go pick out the leather jacket you know how to pay for it I'll meet you guys back at the car in 20 minutes I'm like okay so Carmenuch and I start wandering around the store and we see you know, there's a leather jacket section, but there's also a big toy section, <laughs> Bamberger's. So we walk over to the toy section, we're looking around, and there's an aisle with all these Thundercat toys. And so one of the Thundercat toys they have is a lion dress-up set. You remember? So lion who is the leader of the Thundercats, and it's got a, a Thundercat claw shield, it's got a sword, a chest piece, and a lion and a Lion-O mask. So we walk around, and, and we're both like, oh man, that lion set is cool he's like yeah lino is cool man i love the love the thundercats and so we walk around he's like you know what he's like this is my confirmation money i think i'm gonna get the the lino set so i'm like yeah man i'm like that's what i would get like i wouldn't get the leather jacket i get the lino set so (laughs) it's pretty pretty expensive it's probably like 70 or 80 dollars it's like the top shelf giant box toy so carmenuch gets it down from the shelf we go over to the bamberger's register Carmenuch pays his $86 for it, and uh, we walk back out to the car, and Uncle Vinny's not there yet. So Carmenuch is like, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to open it up, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put this on. So he tears open the box, and he, he puts on the, the lion shield claw arm, and he puts on the chest piece over his T-shirt, and he's got the sword that lights up, and he puts on the lion mask. And we're sitting there, and he's like, this is cool. I'm like, yeah, man. I'm like, I wish I had this thing. So a couple minutes later, we're standing around the car we're talking about the thundercats <laughs> Uncle Vinny comes back and he's like Carmenuch what are you wearing he's like what, what are you wearing he's like oh you know I, I just I didn't really want the leather jacket I decided to buy this he's like what he's like what, what is this costume you bought he's like you were supposed to buy the leather jacket he's like yeah but I really wanted this lion costume he's like is that costume gonna keep you warm is that gonna keep the rain off you Carmenuch he's like I can't believe this I'll leave you alone for 10 minutes you spend the leather jacket money on this lion costume he's like get in the fucking car get in the fucking car so we get in the car and we drive back in silence and again remember I don't know these two people at all I've met them in the last half an hour and we drive back to this giant North Nork confirmation communion party and we pull up and like all the family's like ah Carmenuch and he gets out of the car and he's wearing this Thundercats outfit again he's like a freshman in high school oh my god and his whole family's like Carmenuch what happened where's the leather jacket and Uncle Vinny's like he bought this fucking costume we bought a Halloween costume and it was a leather jacket and his grandfather comes running out he's like you spent the money on this Carmenuch and he cracks him and Carmenuch goes in a, in the Thundercat outfit goes like flying into the dirt in front of his house and his mother comes running over and they're all like screaming oh, and berating Carmenuch and the guy starts crying while he's wearing like the lion costume on the ground and 
<laughs> he's just like completely like I don't even there's not even like a word for the shame he must be feeling and like I'm standing next to him and they're looking at me like I had something to do with it and I'm like oh my god and so like so not like I like run to the back of the thing to my brother and I'm like we gotta call our mom and get out of here she's gotta come pick us up at this party it was just one of those things man like that was my Bamberger's experience did you tell your mom what happened yeah I told her did you tell your mom you got lured away she <laughs> knew that we were at the party and I told her later on what happened she was like well, she was like, what would you have done? She was like, would you have bought the leather jacket or the lion costume? And I was like, I would have bought the lion costume. She was like, ah, no, no. <laughs> and I sometimes wonder to this day if, like, <sighs> Carmenuch was, like, forced to, like, oh, it's really cold out today, Carmenuch. You better put on that lion outfit. Probably. I wonder what happened to that part. Because, look, Carmenuch is out there somewhere, you know, God willing, unless something horrible has happened. Yeah. But he has this story, too. Somebody knows About him. the worst night of his life. But he also has the detail that there was also some stranger who he never met before and never saw again witnessing the whole thing. And that was you in Carmenuch's version of the story. I feel like my role in the story is strictly to be able to relate this tale to other, to be a, be witness, a witness, to be a witness and tell other people that this thing actually happened. God put you in that spot at that moment. That is. To profess the story. One of the funniest <laughs> stories I've ever heard. Okay, I want to do a real quick list because we got a good one to wrap up on that's going to be very divisive for everybody listening. Let's um let's go through some famous New Jersey stores and, and really just shout them out. Um, different places that you're like, man, these meant something to us growing up. Um, Mike D, the first one you listed on the, the, uh, the outline, we actually, in our gone, but not forgotten episode, we actually have a fantastic voicemail about it. I've never been, I think it was in Clifton, the romance emporium. It was in Clifton. Yeah. It was the romance. And just so people know, spelled R O W E M A N S E the romance emporium. And the two things that you need to know about romance are one, (laughs) It was the place where every Italian woman went to buy Zangita for their house. And then the second thing you need to know about it is when we were kids in the 80s and Cabbage Patch kids were the hot thing, they actually had a weird Cabbage Patch exchange where if you had a Cabbage Patch, you could bring it there and they would give you cash value that was higher than the value of the Cabbage Patch doll. And then they would resell it to other desperate families. Oh, wow. Okay. Fountains of Wayne has been mentioned, an iconic place, I think, for every New Jerseyan, both for the weirdness of it and the fact that it was located at the juncture of just an impossibly awfully designed confluence of three highways, 23, 46 and 80 all meet. People got lost all the time. They probably still do even with GPS and fountains of Wayne was like the, the lighthouse on the shore that you could explain (laughs) to someone how to actually navigate that. Also to get to that fucking DMV, they buried that DMV between the fountains of Wayne and the Anthony Wayne. And if you miss the turn, it's going to take you about 25 minutes to loop through over there. Oh my God. I got my, I got my driver's license there. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> me too. Um, what else? The, uh, Mike D you've listed a ton. Two-tone. Tell me about. Oh, two-tone. Basic. Yeah. Nick, tell me about two-tone. Yeah. Main Ave and Basic. Well, that was a, that was a weird journey we stumbled upon. One of those weird far off places. The other, uh, the other punk rock store. We were more prone to go to Montclair. Oh, of course. Of course, I've been there. I forgot about that. But you go there, buy bracers, uh, any kind of weird 
street gutter punk type tight patched pants, bracers, boots, the cool the cool skinheads who ran the place from England. The uh, the flagship is on the list here, Mike D. I'm glad you put that. That is of course Route 22 in Union, big giant store shaped as a ship. A yacht, you're not hearing us incorrectly. It's been used for many things over the years. A whiz. I think it might be a PC Richard now. I, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's a PC Richard. Do, 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 do. But we've definitely bought appliances in that boat at, at several times in my childhood growing up. I remember going there. Fantastic place. Uh, Mike D, the electronic barn. Tell me about this. This was a very cool place that I don't think exists anymore. But I, I know this one doesn't specifically, but I don't think. It was almost... A giant non-franchised Radio Shack, but it was in Bloomfield, and it was just a big empty warehouse filled with surplus electronic parts. And you know they weren't new; they were all used. So you could go in there and get anything. I remember I went in there once with my grandfather, and he bought me two weird army laser alarms that you had to set up yourself with batteries and use but you could go into this place and get electronic parts for anything and i used to love going there because everything was 32 cents 58 cents so you could walk out of there with a giant sack of electronic parts that you weren't quite <laughs> sure what to do with for just a couple dollars so i loved it it was like the it's awesome the ultimate incarnation of radio shack i want to shout out uh producer carson wanted it put on record earlier today that uh the unsubstantiated rumor that he swears by that any independent sporting goods store you found in north jersey back in in our era was a front for something else Army Navy stores are on the list. Uh, I want to shout out Bill's Army Navy, Wilbur, New Jersey. Yeah, Bill's. Bill's is one of the we used to ride best our bikes places, there man. We could get good stuff there. Good stuff there. And like kind of, like they sold a lot of ho- clothes that had no intention of being hip, but that were actually kind of hip. You know what I mean? Like you'd buy stuff off their rack and they weren't people out there going like, we're going to stock hip clothes, but you could get like, I, my college nickname for uh, amongst my... Uh, Kids in my dorm was Sheriff because I bought this great T-shirt that just said the word Sheriff on front and foolishly wore it the first day of college. Oh, that's right. You could get shit like that there. It looked <laughs> cool, man. I remember when we were at the beach in Asbury Park in the very recent past, one of your buddies from college, who, who I sort of knew, he was like talking he was like oh hey sheriff like you want a nice tea and i was like oh my god i forgot that people yeah. called you there's like <laughs> half a dozen people in my life still call me sheriff mighty you've listed the trader as well so this breaks the rules a little bit because the trader was technically in new york city on canal street but as a kid that was the ultimate army navy store because it was actually an all surplus army navy store so you could go there and buy mm-hmm. vietnam era machetes bayonets uh you know really great selection of actual weapons so i, I the trader is sadly no longer there but i remember the ultimate thing that they sold at the trader was they had uh, like a, a, f- a very large bomb for sale that was hanging from the ceiling with a price tag on it, Great. which, which I'm sure or I hope was not armed anymore. Yes. But, you know, I, I would always ask my father and he would say, one day, Mike, one day we'll get that. <laughs> awesome. Any last minute stores come to mind that we want to give shout outs to? Uh, I-, I feel satisfied. Nikki Bonaduce, anything else you want to get on record? Not really. A lot of, lot of great, weird places to go shopping in, in New Jersey, that's for sure. Then that brings us to the great debate. 
something that's divided New Jersey forever. Now, there's all this talk about North Jersey, South Jersey. Some people insist that there's some place called uh, Central Jersey, but you know, other people also believe in Atlantis. Um, that being said, Man, so one rough. of the things that you might not know if you're not from the state is that one of the cultural markers that can point to where you live is actually your preferred convenience store. Mm. Wawa, South Jersey. Quick Check, Ugh. I think, has the reputation for being the North Jersey one. Uh. There weren't many Quick Checks around where we grew up. I would say that an underrated one left out of the conversation is Krausers. Yeah. 7-Eleven, uh, of course, also up for discussion here. What do we think about this, fellas? Where do your gut, where's your gut line? What do you say about this? Krausers was like one of those weird neighborhoody kind of like places. Like I think it used to be a bigger chain at one point. They were all privately owned. And it was like one of those places you get a cup of coffee, get a sandwich, and like whatever other odds and ends you needed. That seemed to be kind of like the same everywhere. The one at Rutgers, I used to go get the half gallon of iced tea. And I loved it. I think it was a dollar for a half gallon. Yeah, right at the end at the end of my block. Yeah. I used to go to that Krausers. Yeah. It was like a depressing Krausers. You went there and got depressed. That was depressing. Like all wood paneling and shit. Yeah, it was sad. Uh, you also listed Garden State. Is that one that I'm not familiar so with? Garden State was a, a, a chain that existed in many of the Garden States became Krausers. So it was a pre-Krausers. Got it. And it was known known locally. Proto-Krausers. Proto-Krausers. And locally, at least in my part of North Jersey, where I grew up, was known as the Jug of Milk. Because every one of the stores had a big sign that was in the shape of a, a jug of milk and called, you know, and said Garden State. So everyone would be like, oh, I'm going down the jug of milk to get some uh, baseball cards, bazooka, and uh, pornography. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel like 7-Eleven is a national chain, not a New Jersey chain. I know the three of us have a special attachment to it because the 7-Eleven in Livingston, which was the one closest to us growing up, there was a worker there who started as a point of mockery and then weirdly became an ally, like an ally, dare I say, a friend after many years of feeling him out. This is a man who was known initially, as we were making fun of him, as Glamrock Joe. Can you explain Glamrock Joe? He was, he was older than us. As you can hear from his name, he was like a classic 80s glam rock dude who's hanging on to the glam rock vibe for a few years too long. But we kind of knew him by the end. Initially, our reaction to glam rock Joe was, oh, this guy, he's like working the graveyard shift at 7-Eleven. Oh, he's like, looks like he's a leftover from the 80s. And so we used to bust his chops, which which was shitty of us. But then... Oh, seeing him so often because you're a teenager and you're in there constantly. I remember one night I went in there and he had a Slayer shirt on. And I was like, oh, I was like, you're into Slayer? He's like, oh, I love Slayer. I was like, I love Slayer. And then I instantly was like, oh, I was like, actually, he's one of us. And this is just his gig. You know, he's doing his own, you know, whatever music thing during the day. And he's just working the graveyard shift at 7-Eleven to keep the dream alive. So after that... I always thought that Glamrock Joe was, he was just a slightly older version of us. He's what you could become, so be careful. <laughs> Good old Glamrock Joe. That same 7 <laughs> Eleven is one where two different incidents. Oh, I could think of 
We once got oh. caught by the Livingston cops pissing on the side of it. The Livingston cops loved <laughs> nothing more than fucking with a West Orange kid. And I think it was, I think your brother, I think it might've been my brother and your brother, Mike, and, and I was waiting for them and they were pissing on the side and the Livingston cops caught them. And then another time where we were speeding and they were accusing us of, of drag racing, as they put it. My brother was like, I can barely drive. I'm not drag racing. Um, so yeah, cops used to linger around our 7-Eleven. Nick, your thoughts on the various convenience stores of New Jersey and uh, the way it can define you. If you're a quick check person, definitely North Jersey. Wawa, you're a South Jersey type. I, I don't know. Like I, There's like way more quick checks now, and like I think they suck, really. The only good thing that they have is coffee. They're, everything, everything else sucks, so I'm not a big quick check fan. 7-Eleven, I just go for coffee and, like I don't know, like a taquito. Uh, but I'm partial to like the neighborhood kind of like um, deli slash bodegas, wherever I might be working. And I find that like if you want like a good sandwich, like I just like some great just sandwich spots that are also like those uh, pseudo convenience stores. So it's I I enjoy that aspect of the Jersey neighborhood like uh, convenience. And at the end of the day, when it comes to Wawa, it's pretty ubiquitous in North in uh, South Jersey. It is starting to creep up towards North Jersey, but we can't ever really claim Wawa's as our own. I still love, I, I mean, Wawa I'm a Wawa guy, guy now Even for sure. Like Wawa's incredible, but it is yeah. Philly's. We can't claim that. That belongs to Philadelphia now and forever. Oh, but I'm, I'm happy that they're going everywhere because you realize like how shitty like 7-Eleven is as opposed to like Wawa where you can get like. You can get like burgers there now Dude, and they're good. There's sandwiches. You order up the sandwich, the machine, the great breakfast sandwiches. Or their soups are good too. They got too. the soft pretzels. They always are stocked on the Goldenberg's peanut chews. Oh, definitely. I mean, our family tradition after hiking, which we do very, very frequently, is to then on the way home, stop and get 7-Eleven sandwiches. Or sorry, Wawa sandwiches. Um, because they are so good. Incredible. I mean, I have no, I mean, if you're like, like Nick said, like my, if I have the choice to go to like a local neighborhood deli, I'm always going to go there first. But when that's not available, like Wawa is solid, man. Yeah. Like I know what I want. Like I know exactly what I want. I'm going to go there. They'll make me a sandwich. It's always clean. I can get whatever kind of bizarro beverage, candy and snack weird drinks they're serious about it like a million years ago i used to have a a girlfriend who was a wawa sandwich artist and i remember she would always tell me that she had to go to a camp for a week in pennsylvania and and this is true that entire week a full week camp to learn how to make Wawa sandwiches. Now, I don't know if this is still true, but it was definitely true back in the 90s. I mean, that's how serious Wawa takes making a sandwich. Whereas, you know, Subway, 7-Eleven, they don't have the same attention to detail. Oh, I mean, Subway is a bear. I, I, I was driving in Georgia recently and passed a billboard for Subway sandwiches that said Subway, where winners eat. And I don't think I've ever laughed harder than them trying to claim the phrase Subway, where winners eat. I've eaten Subway a lot of times, never celebrating victory. Not one time was I winning when I was at Subway. Go to like Subway, like there's nowhere else oh, to eat. And oh. it's like the only place to eat. You're like, oh. Yeah, I need to get something in three minutes and sprint out the door. That's the only reason I eat there. Okay. And again, 
for a bunch of North Jersey raised people to give credit to a Philadelphia franchise, there's always going to be a rivalry there. It shows you just how incredible Wawa is. And if you're passing through our, our portion of the country and you get a chance to go to one when you haven't been, put it on your list. It's well worth it. Fellas, that brings us to the end of tonight's episode. I think we've explored a lot of territory. We do generally like to end with a game. Haven't prepared one. Uh, I have some thoughts coming to mind, but first, anybody else have anything triggered today um, from today's episode of what we might want to do? I don't know if this will be a good game, but maybe I'm just being nostalgic, but if you were going to build a new dirt mall in New Jersey, where would you place this dirt mall? Ooh. In central Jersey. Ooh. Okay, wait. We each have to pick a town. That's a town. And uh, Okay, uh, let's say this. We'll each pick a town, and Carson... Maybe you'll in the private chat rank us first place, second place, third place. And maybe the third place person, maybe we all go to a Wawa together. Does Wawa have their version of like the double big gulp? Yes. Or should we just go to a seven? Like the, I, I always get it. It's like the 40 something ounce one. You just stick your mouth under the, the, the faucet. We call it the guzzler. <laughs> The other two guys, whoever loses, the other two guys get to build them a suicide mix. You know the suicides when you mix all the sodas? Yeah, we see, I do that with Slurpees, too. We all go together. 40 ounces. The other two guys get to come up with the chemical composition of the, of the suicide mix that night. And uh, the other person has to drink all 40 ounces. You have to, you have to beer bong it, but, you, but it's soda. You have to butt chug. You have to butt chug 40 ounces of soda. And you're not allowed to relieve yourself until you get to the Port Authority bathroom. Ah, oh, that's brutal. impossible. Okay. If you were building a dirt mall today in 2021, where would you put it? Everybody take a deep breath. Let's think of good times. I think that's tough because the ones that exist are like located in ideal places. Well, right. It, it, it needs highway access, preferably on some sort yeah. of highway. It needs, you want north and south accessibility. It needs to be a town where you can get a large patch of... Oh, oh, I have a town. I, got, I, have a, I have a good one. I have a good one. I got one too. Okay, you can't change your answer. Who wants to go first? At Hunkabunkas in Sayreville, New Jersey. Take, you say take over the Hunkabunkas building? Or anywhere around there. There's a lot of like open fields and stuff. What's that, Route 9? It's pretty perfect. I guess so. Something like whatever. Somewhere in Sayreville, out in a out in a spent oil field somewhere. It's really, it's a really good call. <laughs> Along the shores of the mighty Raritan. Really good call. Mike D? I was literally going to say Sayreville, um, but oh, wow. I, I, I was. And the reason I was thinking is because as I've said Many times on here, that is where my dentist's office is located, and it seems ideal. Okay. But I've got a backup. Uh -huh. Picture the dirt mall by the sea in lovely Perth Amboy, New Jersey. Oh, <laughs> down there near that, down there near that abandoned South Amboy Cinemas that you can see from the parking, the parkway. That's exactly where I'm thinking. Get that Staten Island traffic coming in from New York. You're, go oh, you're, you're golden. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. I think it's like, it's getting like built up. I know the number one business we should invest in there. I'm going to say, and it's a town I've brought up on the show before. But I just think culturally it could support a dirt mall. And I know it's a high, I think it's 46 that cuts right through drum roll Lodi. You have to admit, Lodi would be a beautiful Lodi, New Jersey. Lodi would be a good dirt mall town. 
Is that 46? I think it's 46 that cuts right through Lodi, right? But they have the Meadowlands flea market up there. So that's kind of close. Maybe I fucked up. Okay, Carson, we got Cerville, Perth Amboy, and uh, Lodi. Really, you only have to say who comes in last place. We all know who it is. These guys had great answers with great reasoning. It's me. Cerville is a great answer. That South Amboy cinema is a great answer. I'll take the hit. I'll take the hit and beer bong a 40 ounce Wawa soda of your guys' choice. I think we got to make it real sad too, right? Like beer bong it right in the Wawa parking lot. Make it real grim and sad. Okay, everybody. Other, peop- other people might join in. You never Ooh, know. Maybe we'll make it like a Patreon event. We'll announce which Wawa. Come meet us. We'll, we'll all go there, eat tasty cakes and uh, beer bong sodas together. Everybody, I'm sure you have places you know as you're shopping. Um, destinations, whether they're from their youth, your youth or current day, your particular dirt mall that triggered a lot of memories, 973-780-4660. We want to hear about what you did with the crossbows you bought, the wrist rockets you procured, 973-780-4660. Where were you buying booze and drugs over the counter when you shouldn't have been allowed to? 973-780-4660. Good night. Appearing every weekend at the Lodi Dirt Mall, the Misfits, in some, in some form or another.